And the apostle says, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So reads the word of God. Crouch and Mrs. Crouch, we wish you the best as you travel north. I always think about people who travel north of what it says in the book of Daniel about the king of the north. It says he pushed against the king of the south and he came to his end and there was none to help him. Now, I've got good news for you and bad news. The good news is I will not be here next week. The bad news is I'm here today. Now, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow what we're going to say, we will begin in the 18th chapter of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 18, and we will begin at verse 31. And there we read Jesus talking to the twelve disciples. He's just had an encounter with the rich young ruler who was turned away from him and followed his own ways. And then in Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, we read these verses. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Now, this is a very decisive moment in the life of our Lord. And what is interesting, if you notice, it says, we are going up to Jerusalem. We're going up. Because Jericho is down below. It's uh, almost below sea level. And uh, if you're there, you go up to Jerusalem. And then if you're in Jerusalem, you go down to Jericho. Now, on this road to Jericho, certain things happened. And they are the last things that happened in the life of Christ with regard to healing. After this, nothing happened. Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He pressed on to the bitter end. But what happened on the Jericho Road suggests two questions, at least 
it suggests two questions to me, and I'd like to share them with you. And the first question is this. Have you ever asked yourself what people think about you? Uh, Eric, would you be so bold as to... Have you ever asked yourself what people think about you? Yes. You have? Yes. Well, don't tell us what you found out. <laughs> it's quite, a, it's quite a, a, a painful question to have answered. You remember Jesus asked that question. He said, who do people say I am? And he got a variety of answers which were quite contradictory. And so if you ask the question of yourself, what do other people think of me? You can be assured that there is no one answer. There are a whole variety of answers. And basically they fall into three categories. There are those who love you and those who don't love you and the rest who don't care about you. But think about it. Have you ever thought about what other people think about you? So Jesus is going into Jericho, and as he enters the city, there's a beggar standing, uh, sitting rather, on the road, and he's blind, can't see. And he hears the commotion, people making a noise, and he says, what's going on? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth is going, passing by. And the beggar comes to life. And in a very loud voice he says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people say, shut up. Shut up. Don't disturb anybody. Shut up. Keep quiet. He said, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy upon me, thou son of God. And he made such a noise that Jesus heard what he said. So he said to the disciples and the people who were following him, he said, bring him, bring him to me. So the man comes and uh, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want you to help me to see. I want you to help me to see. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in darkness, you've ever been in darkness. You know, there are parts of the earth where I have been where it is so dark, it's so dark that you can hardly see your hand in front of you. And when you're in the darkness, it's quite scary. But imagine being in the darkness of not being able to see. And this man was a beggar. And that's what people thought about him. A beggar who made a noise and he should shut up. That's what they thought about him. But what he was thinking about was, how can I escape from the darkness? How can I find a way to see the light? Have you ever tried, probably not, have you ever tried to explain to a man who's blind 
when he asks you, what is it like to see? What is it like to see? How would you explain to a man who's blind what it means to see? How would you do it, John? Yeah, you don't sleep, John. I keep my eye on you. Don't sleep. How could you do it? How could you teach it? How could you explain to a man who's blind what it means to see? Does anybody ever try to do that? Ask a blind man, answer a blind man, what is it like to see? What is it like to see? And this man has been locked in deepest darkness and he wants to escape. And he comes to Jesus. And he, Jesus says to him, what do you want? He says, I want to see. Now Luke, when he wrote this book, put that story there for a very special reason. You notice that Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be spat upon, I'm going to be killed, and I'll rise the third day. And they were blind. They didn't see it. They didn't understand it. They were just like this man who was in deepest darkness. And so Luke tells the story about this man getting his sight so that we too might ask him, Lord, help me to see. You get that, Mrs. Um, King? Help me to see. Help me to see. So the story is not just about a blind man getting his sight. It's a story about asking Jesus to help us to see. What did people think about the man? He's a beggar who's blind and sits by the side of the road, a man of no consequence. However, when he got his sight back, it says he rejoiced, and he followed Jesus and, his, his, and became his disciple. So then Jesus goes on into the city. And when he comes into the city, uh, he has another experience which raises another question. And this question is, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself, Eric Lowe? How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself, my friend? I can't remember your name, but sitting beside Mrs. Gannon. How do you see yourself? You look in the mirror and you say, here's a man of substance. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Well, I, I don't know how you see yourself, but I can tell you something about the way you see yourself, that a lot of what you see about yourself will be very favorable to yourself. Are you happy about that? Karen, isn't that Sharon? Your name? Karen, Karen. So what does Karen think about herself? Well, whatever she thinks about herself, she's not going to tell us, but I can tell you that a lot of what she thinks about herself is very favorable. It's very favorable. You see, when you think about yourself, it's very hard 
to see exactly what you actually are. So, you know, the blind man, what did he think about himself? I'm blind and I want to see. Now, there's a second question. What do you think about yourself? What do you think about yourself? I wonder what Tony Crouch thinks about himself. Going up to Grantham, what does he think about himself? How will I fit in? What will I do? What kind of a person am I? I wonder what he thinks about himself. And I wonder what Eric Lowe thinks about himself. So, the second story is the story of Zacchaeus. Now, this is a little man, as we like to say today, he was, what's it, vertically challenged. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Vertically challenged. He's just a, a small man. Now, this fellow is very rich. That's an interesting. Now, how do rich people think about themselves? And he was uh, actually a tax collector. Very important man in the community. And as I said, he was small, but he had power and influence. And I suppose in some way, he must have heard about Jesus of Nazareth. Must have heard about him, because one of Christ's followers was another tax collector, Matthew. And so he, he knew about Jesus of Nazareth. But remember, this is the only time in the life of Christ that is recorded that he went on the Jericho Road. The only time that is recorded that Jesus went on the Jericho Road. He told the story of the Good Samaritan, but there's no evidence that he went on the Jericho Road. Now he's gone into the city, and the first thing he's done, he's been confronted with a man who's blind, and he gives him his sight. Now, as he goes into the city, and walking through it, he finds as he's walking along, there's a tree, and perched in the tree is a little man. A little man. Now that's amazing. I mean, I don't know of many rich men who would climb up a tree. If there was in a procession and you were rich, what would you do? You'd pay for the most vantage point you could get. And this man climbs up a tree, and he's watching the people going by. And then to his utter astonishment, the whole procession stops. Stops. And he's looking. And then he finds Jesus. He's never seen him. But obviously our Savior must have stood out from the crowd. Jesus stops and he looks up at the little man in the tree. Now notice Jesus looked up and he said to him, he said, Zacchaeus. Now that was quite an astonishment. Jesus knew his name. So I'm sure in the mind of this man, there's whirring a whole lot of things going on. How does he know my name? And then the next thing is, which is equally astonishing, that Jesus invites himself to this man's house for a meal. Zacchaeus, come down. 
I want to go to your house today. What's happening? What's happening to this poor fellow? He only got up in the tree to see Jesus. And now Jesus has said, I know your name, and come down, I want to go to your house. So Jesus invites himself to the man's house. And so they go to the house. Now I wonder what they talked about. I wonder what they talked about, Eric. You know, it doesn't tell us anything about the conversation. So let's try and reconstruct what went on when Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus. So they sit down in the room and the, the servants bring in food and so forth. And what do they say? What does Jesus say to Zacchaeus? Any suggestions? Hello? Any suggestions? Do you think he might have said, I, I wrote it down some, here, some things. Do you think he said to uh, Zacchaeus, he says, um, would you like to become one of my disciples like um, Matthew? Do you think he might have said that? Or do you think he might have said what he said to Nicodemus? You must be born again. Or do you think what he kept on saying to a lot of people, you must repent of your sins? Well, what did he say to Nicodemus? And more interestingly, what did Nicodemus say to Jesus? Come on, Karen, tell us. It's Nicodemus, not Matthew. I, I said, did Jesus say to Nicodemus, would you like to become one of my disciples like Matthew? Did he say that? He could possibly have said that. Yeah, why do I say that? Yes, correct. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. You, you see, old men do silly things, as, as you know. And uh, I, I'm, as, uh, I'm getting old. <laughs> okay, so, did Jesus say to Zacchaeus, would you like to become my disciple like Matthew? I could have said that. Did he say like he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again? Or did he say to, 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 to um, Zacchaeus, you must repent for your sins? Well, we don't know, Sister King, so we speculate. But one thing we do know, that that movement from the tree to the house of, of, of Zacchaeus drew a line in his life, drew a line in his life, and he was never the same afterwards. That little visit from the tree to the house of Zacchaeus drew a line in the life of Zacchaeus that changed his life forever. And what it did was it redeemed the past. It dealt with the past of this man's life. And it, it, it transformed the present and it directed the future and the proof is what Nicodemus said he stood up this rich man and he said Lord Lord 
I give half of my goods to the poor. Wow. Have you ever tried to get money from rich people? Have you ever tried to get money from have you ever tried to get money from anybody? It's very difficult to get money out of people. You know, they, they hold on to it grudgingly. I often see people when it comes the, the pot comes around or the play comes and they look and they look around, you know, sort of have a look inside, and then they pick out a copper coin and put it on the plate. Very hard to get money out of people. But this man, his life, a line has been drawn in his life and he says, I give half of my goods to the poor. And then he says, if I've taken anything from anybody falsely, I'll give him four times the amount. I'll give him four times the amount. And Jesus made a comment upon Zacchaeus. He made a comment about the man. He said, today, today, salvation has come to this house. Today, now, salvation has come to this house. And the proof that salvation had come to the house of Nicodemus is in the change in the man. The encounter with Jesus of Nazareth made a radical transforming change in Zacchaeus. So much so that he gave half of his goods away and I'll give four times the amount that I've taken from any man. And then Jesus said, this man is a son of Abraham. This man is a son of Abraham. So, this visit of Jesus to the Jericho Road raises two questions in my mind. One is, what do other people think about me? By the way, I don't want to know your opinion. <laughs> I don't want to know your opinion. But it is interesting to ask myself the question, what do people think about me? And I invite you to ask yourself the same question. And then I'd like to ask you the second question. What do you think about yourself? What do you think about yourself? What do you think about yourself? So as Christ comes into Jericho and goes on the Jericho road, he goes up to Jerusalem. And I'd like to take you on this journey that Christ is going up. He's now in the upper room with the twelve disciples. And he has desired, he has wanted to be with them at this particular moment before he goes to the cross. He says, I have desired this to be with you, to talk to you. And what are they, what are they talking about? Do you remember what they were talking about? Hello? Hello? Who shall be the greatest? And one of them is thinking, well, I'm going to make some money out of this experience. And then Jesus goes from the upper room, makes his way through to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And there he bears the sins of the world on his, in his body and in his brain. And then after he's, he's exhausted, then there's a crowd come. They come and they say, um, we want to take you, we want to take you. And they put his tie's hands together and they drag him off. They drag him to the house of the high priest, a man called Caiaphas. And when he's there, he is abused. He's abused, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't speak, doesn't say anything. Except somebody slapped him on the face. And he said, why did you do that? And then they take him from the house of Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin. And they take him there, and when he's there, he says nothing. Until in exasperation, total exasperation, the high priest says to him, Who are you? Are you the Son of God? And Jesus says, I am. I am. I am the Son of God. And the high priest says, Blasphemy! Blasphemy! What, what shall we do with him? Crucify him! Cruci kill him! Kill him! And then they start beating Jesus. They punch him on the face. They kick him. They spit on him. And then, when they've done that, they take him to Pilate. And they say to Pilate, we want this man crucified. The Pilate says, why? He said, he's, he's broken our laws. He claimed to be the son of God. So Pilate says, I'll examine him. And he examines him. And his conclusion is, this man is innocent. Why are they doing this? He said, look, I let him go. No. So what Pilate does is, he has Jesus whipped, whipped, with 39 slashes of the whip. And then he learns about Jesus, that he comes from Nazareth. And, ah, I get rid of this problem. And so he sends Jesus from where his own place is, sends him over to where Herod, King Herod is. And King Herod, he tries to get Jesus to perform a miracle. And Jesus says, not a single word. And so Herod gives him over to the soldiers and the soldiers come and they put a purple robe on him and then they make a crown of thorns and then they have a stick and they beat the crown of thorns into the head of Christ they spit on him and punch him knock him about and then he goes back to Pilate and Pilate now is in a terrible dilemma he's in a terrible dilemma what shall I do with this man? So he says to the Jews, he says, look, here's this man, Jesus of Nazareth, and here is Barabbas, a murderer. This man is innocent, and this man is a murderer. Which would you like me to, to, to release to you? And say, Barabbas, Barabbas. And so Pilate releases Barabbas. He has Jesus beaten a second time. He's beaten a second time. And then he sends him away to be crucified. And Christ is so weak, not able to carry the cross. And then eventually they find a man to carry the cross, Simon of Simon. They come to the place called Calvary. They put the cross down and they put Christ's hands out on the cross. And can you imagine, can you imagine all that he suffered and then they hammer a nail through his hands and his feet. 
And they take up the cross and they put it into the ground. Can you imagine the physical agony, the pain? And Jesus is on the cross for six hours. And all the time he's suffering abuse. You saved yourself. Come down and we'll believe you. You're an imposter. And the two people on either side of him say exactly the same thing. And then Jesus looks out at the crowd and he lifts his eyes to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then one of the thieves turns to Christ because something's happening in his head. Like the blind man, Bartimaeus, he's begun to see. He's begun to see. And he looks at Jesus of Nazareth and he doesn't see an itinerant preacher. He doesn't see somebody who's guilty. He sees a king. He sees a king. And he says to the king, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, my friend, you will be in that kingdom. You will be in paradise. And then he dies. Then he dies. Before he went on the Jericho road, he told the disciples, I'm going up to Jerusalem and I'm going up to be crucified, to be rejected, to be spat upon, to be killed, and to rise the third day. You can't read the story, you cannot read the story without being touched. But when you really understand why in heaven's name did Jesus go through all this horrible torment, that's agony, this abuse, this hatred, this rejection. Why did he do all that? He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do he wasn't on the cross for himself. He wasn't up there dying for himself. He's dying for you and for me. He's dying for you and for me. So I'd like to suggest three ideas. First one is you can never you can never, ever, ever doubt the love of God. You can never, ever, ever doubt the love of God. Doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter who you are, you can never, ever doubt the love of God. If you want to see, if you want to see, to really see, if I want to see, if I really want to see, and you really want to see, if you want to come out of the darkness into the light, Jesus will open your eyes. And if you want to be saved, if you want to be saved like Zacchaeus and the man on the cross beside Christ, if you want to come to Jesus and he will save you.